think if I didn't talk that much, if I kept my mouth closed, Sophie, and if I was like quite a, I don't know, if I was quite a less in your face person, I would say, then guys would probably find me more attractive. What happens is they look over, they go, she's cute. And I go, what? Yeah, babes. Yeah, I'm London. Energy, energy, energy. And they go, whoa, she's not that cute. (laughs) That's too much. It gets better cause it has to get better We're all made of human You are listening to the Made of Human podcast. I am your host. My name is Sophie Hagen. I'm from Denmark. That should explain the accent. I'm a stand-up comedian. That should explain the awkwardness. I am tired. That should explain the... um inability to say full sentences without stopping every once in a while. Um, I'm going to do this intro just without any kind of script or any notes or anything, because I just want you to listen to it. I mean, I'm in that frame of mind at the moment of like, nothing matters. I just want summer to come. I am done with winter and I'm probably not alone with that. It's just been one fucking winter, like just one hell of a winter. I am so done with the darkness and the cold and the wind and wearing big coats and big shoes and long underwear and I'm so tired I'm just tired I'm tired of it being so dark outside um yeah so anyways I had the pleasure of speaking to London Hughes I am I'm fascinated by her I'm so it felt like once once she'd left after we'd done the the chat the podcast i felt like i was just i just found myself thinking of her like for the rest of the day just like her energy is so contagious and i'm i'm very excited to find out if it uh translates through the podcast if you if you'll also feel slightly uh what's the word like elevated um after you hear it so i hope you'll enjoy it she's uh I have this feeling that we'll see a lot of her. Like, there's a big chance that you're listening to this in, like, the distant future from now. This is 2018. This is uh, February, well, at least when I'm recording it. Um, <laughs> you might be listening in 2020, and you're a journalist who's trying to find dirt about London Hughes because she's famous now, and she's, like, winning Oscars and... um you're doing Hollywood and all of that and you're listening to this because you want to find out if you can make some kind of article about it that'll go viral because everyone wants to know about London Hughes that's kind of a feeling I have but I don't know I just she's great of course you'll make it anyways um this will make a lot more sense once you've actually heard her speak um I just just on my own um if you like me, <laughs> and if you're not in the distant, distant future, yeah, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, my tour is almost over now. I only have dates left in, or tickets left for the shows in, uh, Aarhus, Alborn, Odense in Denmark. Please buy the tickets. That would be lovely. So I don't have to, um, do like Danish morning television and talk about tweets I made two years ago because they want clicks on their websites or whatever. Um, it's going to be a really fun show. I have great uh, support acts and I'm just excited. It's like my home country, my home country. Uh, so I'm going to really enjoy the shows either way, but I'd love for you to come because I always love having Mopat fans, listeners in the audience. All the tickets are on sophiehagen.com. Just sign up for my newsletter. 
uh, I tell you, I tell like long stories, I tell secrets, I tell gossip, I share things that I wouldn't normally share with anyone. Um, so sign up for my newsletter on sophiehagen.com. Uh, I will now do, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. I love this. Um, where did I hide it? Oh, there. Um, so I'm going to do the acts of disobedience where, uh, once, uh, a week, I will read out loud uh, an email that a listener has sent through madeofhumanpodcast.com or mopod.com, M-O-H-P-O-D.com, um, uh, where people can submit their acts of disobedience. So like when they've, you know, tried to kick it to the man or <laughs> bash the system or beat the patriarchy or just done something that's a bit um, fucking brave, I think is it. So this is this week's acts of disobedience. And this listener is called Aggie, and Aggie says this. This morning I got on the tube and sat down next to a middle-aged white man, a.k.a. the enemy. <laughs> and he was taking up so much room with his elbow that it was digging into my arm, which pissed me right off. So I did what I would never have done a year ago. I looked at him and I said firmly, Can you give me some room, please? And I swear to God he had that how-dare-she-tell-me-off look on his face. But because of his British fear of confrontation, he said nothing, gave me an aggro short laugh, and moved his motherfucking elbow. Small victory, but it felt good. Ha ha. <laughs> I love how British this email. I love you, Aggie. Thank you so much for submitting that. I love how the Britishness of this is like, I looked at him and I said firmly, and everyone's expecting her to be like, you piece of shit. And said it was like, can you give me some room, please? And all British people are like, oh, snap. <laughs> Holy shit, she taught him. And everyone else in the world are like, really? You're not going to stab him in the face? Uh, I love this so much. I love This is a perfect example of a uh, perfect act of disobedience. Thank you for submitting that. You can submit your own through madeofhumanpackers.com, where you can also buy a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> so I love these so much. I, I want to keep doing them because uh, it gives me so much energy. Uh, maybe not physical energy because fuck me, I'm tired. But yeah, so hey, hey, thank you for listening. Like, thank you for being a listener of this. This is great. We're ha this is a great thing. I'm very happy with this. Um, I think that. Oh yeah, yeah. If you like me, or if you like my stand up, or if you don't know if you like my stand up, you can go to my website surveyhagen.com forward slash shop, and you can buy my show Shimmer Shatter. It's about being an introvert. It's about not really liking people or parties and hiding in public bathrooms if if you get too tired at a party of people being everywhere. It's only five pounds. You can also choose to give more if you want. Um, this is an, an hour video of a stand-up show that I've done. So you can go and see that if you want. But now uh, I suggest you <laughs> lean back. I mean, if you're in a place where that's doable, not if you're out shopping. But um, buckle up, get ready. I don't know why I'm making this sound like a... Oh, guys, I'm so tired. Why is it so dark? Why is it so dark outside? I don't want it to be dark anymore. <laughs> I want the sun. Um. Anyways, do enjoy the absolutely wonderful, fantastic London Hughes. Okay, so for people who might not know who you are, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm London Hughes. I'm a stand-up comedian and a writer and a presenter and actress, and uh, uh, won the Funny Women Award in 2009. So it was a year after Catherine Ryan won it. So I was 20, and I'm now 28. So eight years I've been doing this, and I'm very funny. 
Like, I'm hilarious. Like, I am. You can't tell from this, but I am hilarious. So, I am really funny. I think that's what I want everyone to know. I'm cute and funny. That's all that's... That's all the life goals I want to achieve. That's great. That's I want to great. look cute and make people laugh. And that's what I've been doing for eight years. So. <laughs> I didn't know you won Funny Women. Yeah, see, people forget that because it happened so bloody long ago. That's I've been amazing. doing stand-up for three months. And, and you won. Yeah. And I'd never... The only reason why I went... I got involved in it is because I'd never met a female comedian before and I literally was on the black comedy circuit and people might, may not know about the black comedy circuit but it's a very niche market to where Richard Blackwood is king and you perform to mainly black audiences and um, uh, yeah I was on that circuit for about a month or so and they're all guys on that circuit really so I just was like where are all the women and um, I'd only heard of really Gina Yashere that's about it so I ended up finding women to find the women and um Ends up winning, which was nice. Amazing. Yeah. Is it, it was, still the, the case with that there's mostly men? On the black comedy circuit, yeah. Oh, it's, really? If you think we have a problem on the circuit over here with women, oh my God, the black comedy circuit, it's no women on the lineup or one woman on the lineup. If it's like, there's, it's crazy. But that, that's mainly honestly because there's not a lot of women on the black comedy circuit compared to men. There are more men. But um, I left the circuit a long time ago. I've got so much, so much drama with that circuit. Like, oh, it's so problematic that I've had to leave. But um, yeah, it's where I started, really. So I owe that. Like, it, it grew me into the comedian I am now. So, yeah. And we've, we've well, I guess we've never gigged together. Because even Ever. when we met, what must have been five years ago, mm-hmm. At Top Secret At Comedy Top Secret, Club. yeah. It was only one of us. It must have been you performing. I don't think I was even performing Yeah, then. No, yeah, you wasn't. Because I was so new and I was yeah. just there begging for a spot. <laughs> I remember. And the only reason why, I think, when was, the, when was that Jeff Leach thing? Okay. When was that? Because that's when, that's when the respect I had for you grew to new levels. Like, that must have been, the rap battle thing. Yeah. That when was that? That must have been 13, 14? Mate. It must have been 14. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, so that was before Top Secret, I can imagine. No, it must or was have been it after? after. It must have been after. Right. Okay, so it was after. because I did uh I did an a rebel the year before that. Oh, okay, that cool. Went well as well. Okay, cool. That's the reason why I'm not I mean, I might get sued if I say anything about it. That's how good it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Love not, it. It's not and I don't uh, think anyone should look it up because it's no, no severely it problematic yeah, yeah, now. Don't, yeah. Back then it was yeah. hilarious. Now it, not, not, not so much. Good. No, not <laughs> but that's why. I lo- that's how I know. Well, that's when the respect and the love came from. I was like, this girl's badass. <laughs> Who's this chick, bruv? But <laughs> I was, yeah, I don't think we've ever been together. Think, when you think back to yourself and you were younger and you, you're like, I was like. I didn't know anything, and you go because I remember like going into that. It was like a rap battle against yeah. this guy called Jeff Leach, and people could look up Jeff Leach too. You can look up. Yeah. Don't, no, I don't mind him. I actually don't mind him. He's actually cool to me. But I know that loads of people have. That's the thing. I quite, or had a problem. I really with him. liked him. Like yeah. I really, and I, in a way, I still kind of like him. But yeah. Everything changes after you've you know defeated mm. someone in a rap battle. Yeah. You know, well, the like, fa- you look, guys, just need to listen to this because the things that he's saying about Sophie are just not nice. And me, I can't, I honestly, I have too much ego to let anyone embarrass me like that, like way too much. And Sophie handles it with such <laughs> class fair, and hits back the fire. Nice, I'm not Look, saying you nice hit back the fire. He comes with stuff, but you can't, you hit back <laughs> in such a classy way that I was like, yeah, I couldn't. Because you know the Comedy Central rap, the, oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the roast. roast. Battle, yeah. So I got asked to do that. My agent oh, yeah. rang me up. I was like, do you want to do Comedy Central roast? I was like, no, I respect myself too much as a person to allow Tez Elias or Dave 
Jane Baptiste to tell me about myself in front of Russell Brand. I'm not doing it. So that's why. I, but you did it. That I, I saw oh, yeah. you did it. I'm like, 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 I have no self-respect. You have, no, I'll happily be I smashed to pieces in front of Russell Brand. <laughs> I can't do it. I care way too much. I, I, I'm too fragile a person. Oh, you I don't can't. seem fragile. You, you know open what? this by going, I'm cute, I'm funny. Oh, what yeah, but want? that's true. But like... <laughs> I'm the one person who cannot take a joke. <laughs> Literally, my parents are so like, they're so confused as to why I chose comedy. Because as a kid, I could not take a joke. Like, you say anything about me and it's like, life is over. Like, moody. That On the black comedy circuit, there was they had like a roast of um, this actor called Ashley Walters. Um, and it was like all the comedians had to roast him. But then obviously we get to roast each other. And I got roasted. And I remember like a comedian called Kevin Jay who's on the black comedy circuit. And um, this white guy is very funny. And he basically said, Miss London, with that weave, you should be called Miss Wembley Market. And the whole crowd was like, oh! And my hair's not even that, but I got really nice weave extensions, guys. Like I'm making money, it's fine. And they were like, oh! And I literally, like I handled it so badly. Oh, no. I literally started sulking on stage, put my sunglasses oh, over my no. head like I just I'm terrible I have no decorum when it comes to that kind but of is thing is that why you're a comedian is that in order to get the jokes in first probably yeah because I can't handle them being it's so bad I'm the, I, like the older I've gotten the better the better I am now like I can take it now but yeah I couldn't have done that roast battle thing but that's when I that's when the love for you grew the roast <laughs> battles the first one with Jeff and then the one on Comedy Central as well I'll send so. you the, the horrible one that I did before Jeff send me that one because I have not seen that one if the person in question is listening I'm not going to send it <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the past, yeah. the past, the past, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, funny for the past. <laughs> yeah, but now you are everywhere. And even when I met you five years ago, you know when you can hear the way someone mentions someone's name, yeah, you can hear what they are. What is it? So what when is people it? go like, oh, it's like it's London. Like it was like you should know this. Oh, you know, really? And I was like. How do I not know this? Yeah, person? yeah, yeah. Oh, that's nice. And that was five years ago. Now you are everywhere. Thank you. You're do you know doing what? Everything. I'm. I'm. Oh, it's, I'm shocked at the year that I've had because it's been crazy. So if you don't understand that. Like, I literally am the type of person that I have the most self-belief. I think self-belief is so important. Like, it doesn't matter if you if you think you're being wanky by saying it, but you, you've got to love yourself. And I love myself so much, like, to the point where it kind of hindered me because I loved myself. I thought I was this amazing person and you should all think you're amazing people. But then when you don't, what what you see in you is not reflected from other people you go what am I deluded and like for me like being a female comedian you have you have knockbacks you have way more knockbacks than any other comedian <laughs> like like you just get knockbacks and like I've had eight years of knockbacks and I'm still here and the end of last year the knockback stopped for a bit and people just went yeah come on in hey come through London News yeah we love you and it was like I'm so used to like getting knockback that I've got this like thick skin up that I'm like oh I'm never gonna get anything and then when it all started happening it was a bit like oh wow so um yeah so it's how been did it crazy start? What was it? so the, the thing I've mostly seen is celebs go, celebs dating. go dating yeah and I I watch. I, I'm so bad at watching TV so the, what is what's the concept so celebs of go show? dating is a, is a reality TV show like people share and they're like I love London yeah, so much it's so crazy like I've had so much love from it um, it's, a, it's a reality show that's currently on E4 and um, and <laughs> it just follows the life of celebrities now me I personally do not feel like I am a celebrity but out of everybody on the show 
I have the most credits, I'm on the most TV channels and I have done the most work. So I would say that in terms of my CV, I do fit that bill, but my followers on Instagram do not, do not show the same, the same, my followers on, oh, I've got the least followers by like 50,000, right? So we've got like reality TV stars, um, I don't know if you'll know who any of them are, but some people from Made in Chelsea, some people from Towie. My friend Jade, who's on the show, she's got two gold medals. So like, okay, okay, okay she's doing well. Um, <laughs> she's got two gold medals in Taekwondo. Um, but yeah, in terms of like the show, when they asked me to do it, I was really chuffed because I knew that like, I'm in terms of like followers, the whole world is about followers and Instagram and likes yeah, and yeah. Twitter and blah. And I hate all that, but that's literally what sells. So when I, when they asked me to do it, I was like, then I, I was a bit shocked that, they considered me a celebrity, but I was humbled by it. And I have the feedback, the love from the show, like even on the way here, just from McDonald's to here, like three different people asking for my picture. It is mad. So That's amazing. I, well, I, what's the show? You're dating? Yeah, so she just wanted me on dates, Sophie. Do they Sophie. set you up with people? Yeah, or? so there's, the premise of the show is there's an agency and the, these two people called Nadia and Eden work in the agency and they find love for celebrities. So I'm dating normal human beings. So I've been on about 10 dates throughout the series. Like people who aren't celebrities? No, that's an annoying thing How though. How does that work? So it's just like, what do you do? Well, I work in construction. Okay. Well, how many followers? How many followers? Yeah. <laughs> it's so for me. Like, I just like getting out there because I'm single and I'm ready to mingle. I guess so. Going on dates is fine. Um, it being on camera is weird. Yeah. Like everything. Like I've got really bad. I'm um, when I drink cocktails, I get quite gassy. I'm quite a gassy person, so I burped a lot on my dates, and I'm getting it in my tweets. Everyone's like, "London's burping again." But <laughs> at the end of the day, it's bad then in like and I don't want to risk gastronitis and hold it in you know when you hold it in yeah, and you get yeah. gastronitis I don't want to get that so especially not for someone who's not the one so I'm burping I get gastronitis <laughs> someone who's not the one exactly mm, that's perfect yeah I wouldn't so yeah it's, it has been crazy it's been fun and um, reality TV suits me the, it, imagine as a comedian right you just all your material Literally, I'm just doing my material. I'm just on dates talking to people, being funny. And they're filming it. Like, that is literally how I feel. It's so much fun. And it's the best thing I ever did. I, I'm having a blast. Yeah, it's great. You what if, what if the, what, how does it work? What if the first person you went on a date with was the one? Then that, that's was, happened in the show just, with another uh, actor oh, called yeah? Jonathan Lipnicki. He's Stuart Little. Do you remember the film Stuart Little? The mouse? Yeah, he's the boy. He's now 28. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Remember the little boy with the oh mouse? Oh my God. Imagine someone watching that thinking, I bet I'll marry that boy in about 20 years. Literally. So he met this girl and he's stuck without her throughout the whole series. And I even said to him off camera, I was like, listen, babe, sow your royal oats. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've come over here from America. Don't just stick with the first girl you find. And he was like, no, I like her, London. She's a lovely, sweet girl. It's just the accent. Yeah. The accent. Literally, I was like, mate, you can get any girl you want. Just do it little. Right. Well, he's not, he's not the mouse. He's a kid. He's a kid from Stuart Little. You can do what you want. But he'd stuck with her. But with me, I haven't found the guy that I want to stick with. I've had a few, there's twists and turns and yeah, it's, I'm on tonight and it's on, it's on every day for a month. Whoa. So it ends on the 1st of March and um, it ends in a map. They, we, they fly us out to Cape Verde and you have to bring your date with you. So you have to choose someone to go on holiday with wow. basically. And then, yeah, so... What do you, what, what do you, I mean, I bet you've been asking, uh, been asked this question for so long. What are you looking for in? In a guy? Yeah. Do you know what? I have a pattern of going for skinny, awkward looking white guys. And all my exes have been awkward, skinny white guys. And I realized that I go out with those kind of guys because it sounds so out of order, but I feel like 
they, I feel like I can dominate it because I'm this fun, vivacious, hot black chick and you're this awkward looking white guy. So you're worshipping the ground I walk on. And that's essentially what happens. Like all of my exes have treated me so well. Like I don't even deserve some of the, like how well they've treated me. Like it's a blessing. But essentially I get bored of that because it's not a challenge. And that's me on the show. I've actually admitted to it and said it. So I've been trying to, I want to date a guy where I'm like, oh God, I'm punching. I want to meet someone that I'm like, oh, he is too good for me. And so far, I haven't dated anyone. <laughs> I haven't dated anyone that's um, more awesome than me. <laughs> How do you define awesome? What is that? Oh, oh, hit man. Um, awesome is um, basically you'll, you've got to have a great personality, amazing looks, and free parking outside your house. They're the three things. So no one in London. No one in London. So <laughs> I've literally my my ex. I spent so much so much money on parking tickets like literally it's like Lambeth Council didn't want us to be together literally I was like what what like it's 8 30 in the morning I've got to move my car sorry babe I can't cook your breakfast because I've got to move my car because Lambeth Council don't want us to be in love do you know what I mean like it's it's ridiculous but um yeah that's the guy I'm looking for and wow. so how do you define great personality that's the thing that everyone can say of course you want someone yeah but some people don't have great a lot of people don't have great personalities do you know have you ever met a couple Where you're like, you are both so boring. Yes. And you are so good together. Yes. And I would die if I was even near you for yes. more than two hours. Yes. They yes. must think each other has a great... They must be like, oh my God, my boyfriend, he just never speaks. It's just so When nice. When he talks, he talks about maths. Yeah. Oh God, he said something one time. I can't remember what it was, but it was great. No, babe. <laughs> like, your man is dull. But you know what? I don't think people realize they're dull. They can't. And I, I have a lot of good-looking friends, very, very good-looking male friends that are basic and dull and average in every way apart from in their looks. And it's because they haven't needed to try because they're so hot. Same with women. I know very hot women that are very dull. And it's just like, ugh, put them two together, great, amazing. Like, save them, let them have each other, we'll just find all the great people. Then why are you not dull? Oh, I'm not good-looking enough to be dull. I'm not. Sophie, I'm not. I'm showing her a, a misbelieving she's, face. She's doing, she's doing that, girl, you lying face. <laughs> yes, I'm, you know the face I yeah. do. <laughs> she's like, look, girl. Like, that's what her face is <laughs> People know my face. People know that's yeah. exactly the way that's my exactly face is. That's exactly the way your face is. And now she's, now she's kicking her, tapping her fingers and going, mm, 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 with her. <laughs> her head's moving from fast to fast. No, she's not doing that. She's not doing that. <laughs> I think people know that I'm not doing yeah, that. Yeah, they know. I think they I think, I think your listeners know you're not doing that, Sophie. But um, I... I I don't think I'm good looking. I, and that sounds so stupid. You well you've said it twice that you're a hot and cute. But I am cute. Don't get me wrong, I'm cute. All right, this is the best difference. way to describe it. This yeah. It's a whole new world for me. Ready? Okay. Yeah, okay. Kate Winslet. Okay. Cute. Titanic. Rose, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cute. Rita Ora, sexy. Who? Rita Ora, singer. I mean, okay, there's people that you might remember. Kate Winslet, you know that? Yeah, yeah that's Kate cute. Winslet. Cute. Yeah. Um Beyonce. I know Beyonce, yes. Sexy. Okay. I have not crossed the barrier from cute over to sexy yet. Okay. What is... I so mean, I'm I feel still, like I'm learning so much. So, like, as a woman, men... I've been told this by dudes. You have a cute or you're sexy. You know, okay. both. Isn't that that classic uh, where women can either be, like, Virgin Mary or... Oh, freaking the sheets or basically mm-hmm. Virgin Mary. Yeah. So, I, I am inside... Definitely freaking the sheets. But on the outside, apparently I'm cute. So, and because of my personality as well, like it takes up my my, my prettiness. I, mean, I think if I didn't talk that much, 
<laughs> if I kept my mouth closed, Sophie, and if I was like quite a, I don't know, if I was quite a less in your face person, I would say, then I, the guys would probably find me more attractive. What happens is they look over, they go, she's cute. And I go, what? Yeah, babes. Yeah, I'm London. Energy, energy, energy. And they go, whoa, she's not that cute. <laughs> That's too much. And then because I'm too much, um, I just ask why I think I'm single. So you think if you're just cute, yeah. you would still, that's enough so that you had to develop a great personality? Well, no, I genuinely feel like you. every woman should have a great personality. Oh, you, oh I agree. Everyone yeah. should all have personalities. Yeah. But then how did it, if, have you felt cute your whole life? I felt ugly. I was in school. Oh my God. I was like one of those late bloomers. Like I got only got hot. At like in school terms hot I'm talking like just decent looking at 15 and I knew it because I went to all girls school and there was this guy who would like hang out outside the school it wasn't a pedophile he was a kid he was he was he was very much 14 uh, 14 15 he's called Kyron and all the girls like oh Kyron's outside oh Kyron's outside and we'd have to like walk past him looking all cute so that Kyron would notice us and then one by one Kyron would scan us and then he'd choose a girl that he wanted to talk to and be like ah oh, Kyron talked to her this week and ah, and oh he's like, God. yeah. Kyron was living his Kyron best life. was living his best life, Sophie. And literally, I was like, Kyron, I didn't even dress up for Kyron or look cute for Kyron because I knew Kyron weren't looking at me, babe. And uh, one day, I was walking to school and I saw Kyron and he was like, oi. And I was like, he ain't talking to me, so I'm going to keep walking. He was like, hey, come here. And I was like, me? And he was like, yeah, come. And I was like, okay. And he was like, what's your name? And I was like, huh? <laughs> He's like, you're cute. And I was like, Ooh. I didn't even say words. I was like, mm-hmm. And he's like, have your number. And I was like, mm-hmm. Gave him my number. And then we were texting for a bit. But then I went back to school and I thought it was a prank. I was like, guys, Kyron asked me for my number. So who, which one of you set no. this up? And they were like, no, none of us did. And I was like, seriously? And then it turns out that basically I had there's a lot of bullies that went to my school that didn't like me and the, the word rumour spread that Kyron asked me for my number and they found it so funny that they rang up Kyron and told him to delete my number and he did it oh my girls God. are bitches fucking <laughs> children I can't yeah oh why didn't they what was their reason for not liking you the oh bullies? babe people don't like me all the time like what? women women what? don't like me all the time especially black women I, I have this weird thing with black women where they just don't like me it's happened my whole life black what? girls no idea. Like, to the point where in my life now I have way more white female friends than black female friends because I've had so much bullshit from black women throughout my life. Throughout my life. And I would never make a sweeping statement to say that all black women are evil because they're not. I'm one. We're amazing. But I don't know what it is about me and them, but there's always, there's always a thing. I don't know whether it's jealousy. I don't know whether it's they don't get me or I don't know. But I've always had a thing. Like, even, I went to, like, a 70% black school, and my best friend was white. <laughs> I found Emily, the one white girl in the school who liked Avril Lavigne and System of a Down, and she was my best friend. And all the Keishas and the Tanishas and the other black girls that I knew, they were just, yeah, they weren't that nice to me. I got bullied a lot in school. A yeah. lot. More than the average person, I would say. I got bullied in school, I got bullied in secondary school, and I got bullied in uni. So, I don't know what, any... What kind of, was it the... Because I don't know anything about like all female schools or yeah. girls schools. Yeah, that, we don't have that. I don't think we have that in Denmark. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I can imagine it's a whole other layer. Of it is dimension of bullying. Because girls are like girls. girls know how to hurt you, man. With boys, I feel like it's like oh, they'll fight you. Yeah, they'll call your names. Yeah, girls will be vindictive. Ruin you from I the had inside. I had friends, and I call them friends because I genuinely thought they were my friends that would be nice to me on Monday. 
And then on Wednesday, just be horrible to me because they could. And I didn't do anything about it because I just hated confrontation. And they were just like the most manipulative, bitchy, nasty girls. But I had such low self-esteem and I wasn't like the person you see now. Comedy actually helped me get my esteem up. But yeah, I was very, had low self-esteem and I just wanted to make people laugh and like be fun and have friends. But yeah, the friends, the girls that I decided to be friends with were no good. And yeah, I remember like I've had, I've been beaten up a few times. I've had like girl one girl cut my hair I've had girls like but these are these are friends these aren't bullies like with a bully you know they're a bully like that's a bully yeah these are people that I genuinely thought were my friends yeah that's even worse yeah Yeah, it's still bullying but but it's it's, it's when you in your head go no no they're my and you know them yeah and you're you're like oh no it's just because like you blame yourself it's like that victim thing it's like where when people say with a guy that's no good for them when women say Mm -hmm. with a guy that's so good and they go oh yeah it's my fault for some reason I genuinely believe that this behavior that I experienced from these girls, I, I warranted it. I bought it on myself. But obviously now looking back in it, I'm like, nah. Yeah, no one deserves no, that. No, no one deserves that. But it's so funny now because all their kids watch me on TV and they all want autographs and they're all in my Facebook. Oh, hey, babe. No, 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 hey, babe. We're not friends. You bullied me in school. What, what are you saying? Like, my daughter loved you. Did you tell your daughter that you punched her favorite person? Did you tell your daughter that? Like, do you know what I mean? Have you set that back to them when they've gotten No, touch? I'm or too... Cla- just I just think it. it cool? I'm too classy for that. I just go... I just ignore them all. I just go, hey, babe, how are you type of thing? I keep it chill. But, yeah, it's weird. Like, I mean, school, school. But uni was hard because that... that it was like... Ten, it's 10 years ago. So that was like the most crucial part of my career and the beginning of everything, really. Everything happened at uni. So I was in uni when I decided to be a comedian. What did you study at uni? Um, Television studies. Because I wanted to be on TV. (laughs) And I thought, I know, I'll just study television studies to be on TV. That'll teach you how. (laughs) That'll teach me how. It doesn't. Literally, it's the worst thing to ever... Like, if you're listening, you're just thinking about whether to study television studies, do not... Do not do it. If you want to be on TV, go out there and be a runner, get work experience, be on TV. Do not study it. It is the worst. It is ridiculous. Um, I I went to Kingston University, studied that, and I just thought, I honestly thought that I could walk out of there with a degree and then walk up to the BBC and go, here's my degree, put me on TV. doesn't work like that, Sophie. That doesn't mean anything. They don't care about that. Um, I found that out quite quickly, and um, I decided to just for a laugh try stand-up comedy and uh I performed at my university's talent show and I can dance people that know me know me for my dancing my dancing is quite cool I'm quite a bit of a break dancer body popper type vibe so they asked me to dance and I was like oh after I dance can I come out and just do some comedy they were like no and I was just like please I'm really funny <laughs> like I've written this five minutes please and they were like okay and then I did that and I tore the place down and then from then I was like oh I'm funny I mean, I only did it just because, you know, like when you, you know, like when you like have a piece of paper and you scrunch it up and you go, can I get it in the bin? And you just throw it. And if you get it in the bin, it's amazing. But if you don't, it doesn't matter. Mm. That's how I thought about comedy. I was like, let me see if I can do stand up. If I can, it's amazing. If I can't, well, I've learned I can't. And I did it and it went so well that I started taking it serious, like thinking that I could be a comedian. And round about that time is when I was getting bullied by my housemates. They were not... Yeah, they just weren't nice girls to me. And they were my friends and people that I actually respected. But they had, they would lie about me. And they made a Facebook page called Kingston University Uncovered. And it was just all these, like, 
things about me, basically saying I'm a whore and I've slept with all these guys and all this kind of stuff. And it was a bit like, none of it was true. And it's a bit like, oh, like from her, from her roommate's mouth, whenever we bring a guy home, I always hit, like find him leaving London's room. Like that's, I used to come home from work and find people having a house party in my house that I'm not invited to. Have you ever had that? <laughs> Have you ever come home and not been invited to your house party in your house? So I've just sat in my room while they were partying downstairs. So I was dealing with that. So comedy was kind of like a, like an escape. I didn't realise I must have been depressed because at the time I didn't feel it. But looking back on those times, I probably was. And um, when I started doing comedy, like the girls didn't like it. No one really, they didn't support me. Kingston University didn't support me. And I ended up finding new friends and people that saw me perform going, this girl's great. And I started doing like the gig, the comedy uh, gig circuit in uni in uni term so I was doing like all the black universities with like a lot of black people in them so like Brunel University and Southampton University and all the London ones and I got like a fan base and friends and my self-esteem came back up and stuff like that but it was tough times yeah you must I mean it sounds like of course you would have been depressed yeah oh you know like you no one would have blamed you for being depressed yes yeah. happened since you were basically a child yeah it was a weird time I, I don't look back on it with happy thoughts. I don't talk to anyone from my uni. Not one person. Like, people are like, oh, my uni friend. I have none. Like, mm. I, I literally hate... I actually end up dropping out. So, basically, it all happened so fast. So, like, year one, just finding my feet. Year two, I was just, my second year, I decided to be a comedian. Went through all the depressing stuff of the girls that I lived with. But then, I um, I went... I did. I was a stand-in. Do you know what a stand-in is? So when, sure. when they film TV shows, like uh, studio-based shows, yeah. you need someone to stand in and practice. The cameramen practice on you. Oh. So Alan Carr um, had a show called Alan Carr Celebrity Ding Dong. And it used to be like a, a ridiculous show with celebs like Carol Vorderman and, and, and Barbara Windsor. And he used to just be his funny self and there was games and sketches and stuff. And I was a stand-in for that. So my job, I didn't get paid, I wouldn't say job, my thing I had to do was I had to go to the BBC, stand there while Alan rehearsed his lines and, the, and they did a dress rehearsal with the cameras, pretend to be Carol Vorderman one week, pretend to be Philip Schofield another week. And then that was it. And that was the first time I ever saw a TV studio. First time I got inside the BBC. I was in awe of it and Alan Carr was so nice to me to the point where I, I started coming every week because obviously you film like six episodes at six weeks so I was coming every week and in the end before he um would say a joke he would ask me which one I liked better so he'd be like London I've got two jokes I could say this one or I could say this one which one do you want me to say and I'd be like at 18 19, that happening to you, I was like, wow, Alan Carr thinks I'm funny enough mm. to, to be an authority to him on comedy. So I would be like, choose that one. And he'd go for that one. And to this day, we he's, we still keep in contact. Like he's, he's actually responsible for my career. I saw what he was doing and said, I want to be on TV. I want to be an entertainer like him on TV. And like I pursued it. And I ended up dropping out because I got, after I won the Funny Women Awards, um, I got myself an agent. My agent said, what do you want to be? I said, I want to be on TV. I want to be a presenter. I want to be entertaining people. And at that time, I really wanted to present on CBBC, the children's mm. um, channel. Because as seven-year-old me, that was a dream. So I thought, that's the start there. And I got an audition for CBBC and then got the job. So halfway through uni, I had to be like, do I study TV? 
or do I go on TV? Like I had to choose. And it was really hard because my agent was, she, her name was Vivian Claw. She was very like in your face and she would tell you. And I had a lecture and she rang me in the middle of my lecture. And I was like, fuck. So I ran out the lecture and I was like, hey, what's up? She was like, you've got an audition for the Stephen Kamel show. And I was like, okay, well, I'm in the middle of um, the life and times of the auto queue right now. So <laughs> I can't really leave. She's like, London, do you want to be on TV or do you want to study TV? And then when she said that, I was a bit like, wow, yeah, see ya. So I, I left that lecture, went to the audition, got the part, and then um, straight... So after getting CBBC, I was quickly um, doing stand-up on BBC Two on Stephen Kamos' show, um, which was insane, because Stephen Kamos was one of the judges when I won Funny Women. And after I won it, he was like, I'm going to work with you one day. And I was oh, like, sure. Amazing. And then literally a year and a half later, I was on his show doing stand-up and sketches. So, yeah. It reminds me of, I, I was uh, an intern when I was, I must have been 15 or 16 at a Danish uh, movie production company. And so I was like, they didn't want me there. Like I turned up the first day and I was like, I'm the intern, like the school intern. Oh. And they were like, no, we don't do that. So they had had some kind of receptionist who'd just been like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'm done next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, So they, no one knew what to do with me. So they were like, oh, sweep the floors. <laughs> like, oh, you really? Can, you can read these scripts. But I was like, oh, my God, I'm in a movie yeah, studio. Yeah, because you see it like that. Oh, you're my, like, wow, I I'll do anything. Yeah. Wanted, so I was reading these scripts being like, oh, my God, this is how a script looks. Yeah. So once they let me see a screening of a film, so it's just like a nice. bunch of like professional people in this room seeing the first ever screening, like the first draft almost of a movie Yeah. by this Danish director that I really loved. And I was yeah, 15, just sitting there like watching this film. And then afterwards, everyone got together in this circle and I was like, I shouldn't be here. Yeah. And I was sitting there and then they all went around saying like, what doesn't work and what do you think works? Yeah. And then at the end, they asked me just because, oh, yeah, let's ask the child. Oh. And I was like, ah, well, I think um, this scene, that scene, um, I, 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 just, I just don't think it works with the rest of the film. I'm so sorry. About Amazing that you were honest, though. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then the director went, see, that's exactly what I've been saying. That's exactly <gasps> what I said. And I was like, and when I saw the final movie, they'd edit, they cut out that scene. Because and it was you. the same. I was like, oh, my God. I'm a director. That's like, it, this literally. Is it. This is you've it. made it. Yeah, it was like 14, 15, like a big nerd, didn't know what to do Amazing. with my life. Just like a big but yeah, cat, you but were like, smart yeah. enough and savvy enough to point yeah. that out when the professionals didn't even see it. Yeah. You queen. Yeah, he was my Ellen Kerr. Oh, I love it. I love, you know those people, they never, you, mm. they don't realise the impact they have on yeah. your life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, you will be that to someone. No, and that's I, I mean, the thing. Honest, we will be that to someone. Yeah, some you're point. definitely that to people. Because there will be people starting out and then, I mean, we might say a flippant remark after a show. Oh, yeah. you were great. And they're like, oh, oh well, I've had that. London L said to me. Literally, I had this girl come up to me in Edinburgh last year and she was like, she was like, you're the reason I'm here. And I was like, what? She's like, we, I... I opened a show and you were there and you said, I said, I should go to Edinburgh. You said, go for it. And I'm here because of you. And I was like, wow. <laughs> like, okay. And, uh, to be fair, it's insane. Got, this is going to blow your mind, Zobi. So I actually, as you know, I dropped out of uni. Um, <laughs> it blows my mind every time I say it because it's just baffling to me. But you can study me as part of a degree at Holloway University. What, how? It's a feminism what? course at Holloway University called In Her Shoes, where they take oh, my okay. stand-up from the Funny Women finals and they analyse it and break it down by how I'm standing, what I meant when my hand went like this and what I said this and when I, how I said that. Literally, 
women have been writing 5,000 word dissertations on my stand-up routine. That's amazing. Do you ever feel like taking that course to learn? I really want to. Doing? I really, really want to. Like in a cab with sunglasses and Literally. like a trench coat in the back What did London mean when she said, men ain't trash, men are trash, 2017, now whatever. But do you know what I mean? I'm like, she meant this. This is so funny. And I found that out. You're the one asking most questions. What, I know. What did I mean what did when I, I mean? did the thing with the hand? Is yeah. that a thing I should do more? Yeah. What did I, what did I mean by that? Like, it's insane. I've had women come up to me going, can you please help me out I'm writing my dissertation on you da, 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 da. like it uh, it That's blows my mind because like, yeah cause I dropped out so you could study me at Holloway University and on top of that my uni invited me back to give a talk to the kids in my class last year to tell them how to make it in television I think so mm-hmm. wow and I had to tell them all to drop out <laughs> I literally told all the students I felt so sorry for them because I looked at them and they all... It's like, what do you want to be? I want to be a presenter. What do you want to be? I want to be a writer. I want to be a director. I'm like, you're not going to get there if you just think that this is all you have to do. Like, I had to just tell them, like, if I'd have stayed in uni and not gone for CBBC. So if CBBC came up and I said no, and then Alan Carr thing happened and I didn't take anything from it and I carried on, probably be working in finance or something. Like, do you know what I mean? It's so crazy that... I genuinely thought the way to make it was just to go to uni, study TV and be on TV. And it's, don't get me wrong, there's things you need a degree for. You need a degree to be a doctor. You need a degree to be a lawyer. You don't need a degree to be on TV. Well, I had a I had a mentor within um, Danish journalism, this guy called René Fransbo, and he was this cool kind of, um, oh, there was a word for it. He was um, one of those, what is it called when a journalist... Like doesn't just write about things; he lives them. Oh, I like, don't he know. Wrote, he wrote oh, about really? the, is he like a method? Is it a method? Yeah, but there's a word for it. Oh, I really? forget it now. But so there was a case where he had a, he had to write about these gangs throwing um, rocks at the police. So he went out there and threw rocks at the police. Really? Yes, yeah, so he was quite cool. And I remember saying to him again, I was like 14, and I said, I really want to be a journalist. And he's and he said, So what are you going to do? And I was like, Well, I'm going to go to journalism school. And he went, Fuck that. Yeah. Like in journalism school, you're going to learn how to put commas. Exactly. And you know all of that already yeah. so you go out and live yeah. have life experience have things to write about yeah, and then come back and be a journalist but they don't teach you that though man they want mm. us it's so deep but I feel like they want yeah. us all to just comply and absolutely. just work normal jobs oh, absolutely that's the whole thing because people who stay within the system and within the frame of the system people who stay what's the word when you're subdued yeah, so like yeah, authority yeah. yeah 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 then we learn how to follow rules and follow orders and we don't go out on our own no. and do our own thing and no. that's when that's what they want happen. that's why they don't teach us like how to do taxes and yeah. stuff like that in school so it's like Pythagoras theorem no I want to know why I can't do my taxes why am I paying this guy a grand when I can do it myself please that's yeah. what I want to know but yeah, yeah <laughs> literally like I realised that, I guess, at a young age that I, I didn't want to follow that whole thing. To be fair, it's probably down to my mum. So my mum, she she's a, a or she was a runner. She's like a famous runner. Oh, famous. She did ran in the Commonwealth Games. And um, she was doing, trialling for the Olympic Games and then fell pregnant with, not with me, but with my brother. And like dropped, dropped out, became a nurse. Like had to put him up for foster, like into fostering for a bit while she get, got money and got back on her feet. And then she like took him home. But yeah, she, her whole life, my brother ruined my mum's whole life. And um, seeing what she could have achieved, like she would never ever look back and do anything different. Cause she's so happy she had my brother and she's so happy that her life panned out the way it is. And my mum's doing really well now. But I realized then that, 
when she told me that story, it kind of struck a chord with me. And I was like, I'm not having any kids until there's a waxwork of me and Madame Two Swords. Like, that's what my brain told me when I was seven. So from that, I've had that, like, dogged determination to make it before I decide to even think about kids. That I can't finish life until I've done this. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So for me... Oh, I'm going to be famous. Oh, I'm going to be on TV because my life can't start. I still don't think my life's fully started yet because I haven't achieved my goal. Once I've achieved those things, then I can think about everything else. But because of that, from that age, from a young age, I just knew I had to make it. I had to make it. I'm going to make it. So what? So I want to ask you what your actual goal is. But first, I want to ask you, what was it about TV and fame that attracted you to it? Because you were this kid being bullied, yeah. not feeling liked by a lot of these girls. What was it about TV that seemed like that was the TV solution? was my life. Like people, I say my best friend was Emily and TV. Like literally, I would come home, I would watch a lot of American TV. We were one of the first people in my in our neighborhood to get cable, so I could get American shows, and I would just watch. Every, I just wanted to to do it, like acting. Like I just loved everything about it. My mum said when I was five, she found me trying to get on TV by climbing around the back of oh, it. Literally, Sophie, like amazing. I was that girl. I was obsessed. Like TV was my best. I would friend. just write little letters to Will Smith. Did you? Yeah, in Danish. I'd oh. be like five years old, going, "Hello, William. Hello, Can William. you visit us here in Sønderjylland?" Oh, <laughs> I'm sure he got them. He never wrote back. Did he, he not? Never came to Sønderjylland. See, mine was Lenny Henry. I used to write oh. letters to Lenny Henry. My mum said he added. She added his address. She didn't have his address. She <laughs> lied to me, so she don't know Lenny. Now I've asked him. I know him now. I asked him. Did my, Did you get my letters? Do you know my mum? He don't know my mum. So. <laughs> I, li- I yeah, I was just in your mother being like, she'll never find out. Yeah, she'll never know. I'm not sending these letters to Lenny. <laughs> yeah, he was just everything about telly was just amazing to me, and I loved watching it. And I wanted to make it. And do you know what it was about it though? I just think it was. It was. Do you know what? Looking back on it now, it was definitely comedy because all the shows I loved watching were American comedy shows. Or Whoopi Goldberg was mm. everything she did. I was just in awe of Will Smith, everything he did. And I didn't realise I could do it too until I started getting the same reaction that you get from Will Smith when you laugh at a joke. People were giving me that. So, like, I'd walk into a room, crack a joke. People would be like, oh, my God, London Hughes is here. Oh, my God, London's so funny. Oh, my God, you're the... I kept hearing it from, like, even in school, people were like, you're just like Miss Jocelyn. You're like a little Miss Jocelyn. And I'm like, oh... Wow, like I, I've got that thing that Will Smith has. I've got that thing that Whoopi has, and wouldn't it be great if I got to do what they do? If that makes sense. Like I never wanted to be on TV for no reason. I, some people just want to be famous. I wanted to be celebrated for my talent. I just wasn't sure what my talent was. If that makes sense. I knew mm-hmm. I had something because I always got the same reaction from people, but I just didn't know what. I couldn't tell you what it was, but I knew it from like a young age. Like I, I wrote my first joke when I was seven. It was cool. it was what you what you call a Rasta with glasses, Rasta four eyes. Do you get do you get it? There we Rasta four. So I was seven, Sophie. <laughs> That's why I came up with my Rasta joke. But I didn't think I could be a comedian because the only comedians I'd ever seen was Lee Evans, and I genuinely didn't think that like a black girl from Fourneve Croydon who has what one Rasta joke can make it. No, you need at least four <laughs> Rasta jokes, to make, jokes to make it, right? So I genuinely didn't think I could. Could you? Um, could you relate? Because I remember, like, I w- would watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air 
and I would learn about like insults and then I would go to school oh, and, and then say it. the same insult yeah because it was an amazing show where they were all insulting yeah each other yeah and it was really it was, funny oh, it was amazing yeah so I think that was what I really loved about these shows which they would all be kind of snacky yeah. to each other yeah so I think that was that was one of the things I fell in love with which was that oh I'm I'm learning something learning about yeah learning how to yeah. to like kill off your opponent with like witty puns yeah well, it wasn't really witty it's a fresh face but like cool in your face stuff but with me it was his performance mm. so like he would be the way he'd sit and like cross his legs and do a hmm oh yeah face and yeah he would do those fingers hmm. and the ksh, the hand the hand yeah. thing and the just the the way his mouth moved yeah. and his head rolled around and I was like that so like I I was like, I do that. That's how I would have performed that line. Like, mm. and over the over the topness, I'm quite an over the top person. Don't know if you could tell, Sophie. So I got <laughs> you that so well. Yeah, and I had my over the top. I'm so shy and introverted. No, that's what I saw that, and I said he's a bit of me. I like that. He reminds me of me a tiny bit. It sounds so big headed. So Will Smith reminds me of myself. But he did. I saw myself in him. And I think we can all see a bit of ourselves in Will Smith. Yeah, all of us. Yeah, definitely. Oh. I remember I, when I, I thought I wanted to be an actor when I saw, what's it called? Six Degrees of Separation? Really? Because I saw him in another role. Because he, he was, when he was so, funny, I didn't Yeah, think he was that. so serious. Oh, I was like, this is acting. This is amazing. Listen, I'll tell you something that will hurt your feelings. Oh, when no. he filmed that, he was only 22. I know, he was such a child. He was just I remember puppy. seeing one of the episodes of Fresh Prince where, you know, you see the studio and... Yeah, and when you go like, behind the scenes, yeah, yeah. And when they introduce him to the stage, they go... Um, Something like, oh, he just won a and yeah, I saw that, I seen that one, yeah, because he was obviously the fresh pl- yeah, prince, yeah. the yeah. rapper, yeah, yeah, he was already doing well, yeah, exactly. Oh, I remember thinking, fuck, he was like doing he, really well already, already. When he was, like, a child. But apparently, he went bankrupt to the life of times of Will Smith by Sophie in London. So Will Smith <laughs> actually went bankrupt after being in the, the Fresh Prince, Jazzy Jeff, really? the, the music. He lost it all. He stood outside of, I want to say, Paramount, and was like, go, like to get people to notice him. A lot of people have done that, actually. I've been just, just, like, I think Jim Carrey's do as well, just stand outside the lots, like, and ask for people, can he, can this person see music, can this person see music? Like, Will was wow. so, like, after having all that fame, then losing all the money, he literally need, like, he wanted another break. And wow. he willed it. Will, willed it Will to happen. Will Same like Jim Carrey. I loved stories like his and Jim Carrey's. Jim Carrey used to drive to, like, really nice neighbourhoods and sit outside and just imagine he was living in a nice house. He wrote house. the cheque, didn't he? He wrote that cheque for, for like a, it was a million and a put million. it in his back pocket yeah. and was like, I want it before I'm 30 or something like that. May I've done that and didn't happen. <laughs> like, do you know what? <laughs> it's so yeah. crazy. It's so, I do stuff like that all the time. I'm such a like, I, I'm not really heavily religious. I used to be Christian but I've literally like stopped going to church because I couldn't afford it. Like the church that I went to, it was like ten pound for collection, ten pound for donation, quarter of your earnings for the week, and then pastor and his wife are going to Bahamas to spread the word, and we've all got to pay for it. Clearly corrupt oh, church. Wow. But I was going there, and I was like, God don't want me to be poor. I can't keep going to this church. I'm going to praise him from home. And then after a while, I kind of moved from that to like just being spiritual and like energies and like positive energy, positive vibes. And people say it all the time, but it bloody works. I've tried it. It so works. So 
Will Smith going, I want to make it, and Jim Carrey going, I want to make it, and willing it to happen. I've been doing that for eight well, years. What, so what is your goal? What do you want to make? Cause being on TV, being famous, yeah. that's such a broad, like, when are you famous Oh, enough? no, when yeah. You... There's that saying where it's like, this guy, he gets everything he wants, and he goes, oh, I really want to be a singer. And he's like, oh, yeah, but I want to write my own song. Then he writes his own song. Yeah, but I want an album, multi-platinum album. And then it keeps getting stuff, and it's like, he never gets what yeah. he wants. With me, the end goal is always to be the funny lead girl in a movie. So I want to be the black chick in a Judd Apatow movie because there's no black women in his films. I want to be like the Amy Schumer, not her, but the Amy Schumer in The Trainwreck. But she's not the sassy black friend. She's not the one that's just in it for a bit. She's the lead. She happens to be black, but it doesn't really get brought up because we are not just our colour. That's the dream. And... I tweet this every year I tweet black girls to play, to play lead in Hollywood rom-coms by 2020 the dream is to go from like, comedy to rom-coms and like be the lead in a rom-com the closest thing we've had to that is Jennifer Lopez in her, all of her rom-coms but she even she was playing white women so <laughs> Jennifer Lopez plays white women in all her rom-coms trust me apart from Made in Manhattan when clearly she couldn't she had to be a Latino maid obviously but um, that's the dream just to and the closest thing of career I could say that that I could take that from is Whoopi Goldberg because Whoopi she was black but it was never a black movie like Sister Act is a film with about two white people in it but it's not a black film it's just a film and yeah I'd love that for for my fame or talent to transcend colour so when I'm in these roles it's not just she's playing the black person it's like it's London Hughes in that role do you know what I mean? So, what if that happens soon? Oh my God! Well, here's the thing. Here's here's the gossip that I can tell you. Go on. So, um, I am. Um, I've had like a crazy time. Well, all this stuff of TV, just to keep you up to date in case you still have no idea who I am. So, <laughs> the, cele- the celebs go dating on now. I also present a show on um, ITV every weekend morning called Scrambled. It's like a kids show, fun games and chat. And then um, I present a show on Channel Five called Extreme Hair Wars. It's like Bake Off but for hairdressers and I'm very much the melon sue the black melon sue of everything and um, it's so much fun to present a show by myself I think I am the first black woman in the UK to present a show by herself in a long time which is very sad I did the research and I couldn't find like a primetime show presented solely by a black woman in this country since I've been alive so yeah I'm very chuffed about that but um, I've got a new Saturday night show coming out on BBC One in April. And I was like, I'm happy with all this luck. This is great. And then my agent rings me and is like, oh, um, this American management want to sign you? And I was like, what? And it's like, yeah, they found your sketches on YouTube. Because I wrote these sketches called No Filter. You can check them out if you want. It's um, 15 sketches written by me, starring me and my friends. And these American agents stumbled across them and was like, who is this girl? tracked me down signed me so on Friday I'm flying to LA for pilot season (laughs) yeah I've already had like two um auditions for big shows in one on Fox one on CBS and I've got meetings and meetings and meetings so who knows when we next speak you might get those you won't even speak to me of course I will of course I will 50,000 extra Instagram Mm. Mm -hmm. I know right my Mm. Instagram followers will go up and that's all we want Mental. But do you yeah. think you'll be? Do you think then you'll be done? Do you think like once you've reached that goal, yeah. once you're the lead, you'll be like, oh, I'm just chill out. Now. Yeah, I'll be. Then I can think about having kids and getting on with my life, getting married, all that stuff. Because I just, I just can't think about anything. There's no man I want more than that dream to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. So even all my exes, I could never see myself with them if I made it because 
they weren't the type of unless I met someone who's just like me who's as driven as ambitious so we can make it together my ex is like all the all of them are lovely simple guys that like the simple life and didn't want all that and I was like oh no I want all that so you're you're either with me or you're not like that's how I am I remember, I remember meeting a guy and he said well it's not like it's not like you would like cancel our wedding day if you got a good gig and I was like oh. Yeah. yeah, no, I think I would. Yeah, though. I would, yeah. Yeah, what kind of gig? Yeah, innit? What, what are we talking about? Hey, who books this? Exactly. I mean, come on now. Who, yeah. who, which gig is it? Yeah. Apollo? I'd cancel yeah. for Apollo. Cancel for Apollo, 100%. I wouldn't cancel it for Top Zero Comedy Club, no, but I would rearrange it we, and we'll, cancel our honeymoon. There we go. <laughs> Literally, I'm like that. I'm too driven. Yeah. And it's sad, though, because we end up being very lonely people. But I'll be lonely with my with my BAFTA <laughs> I'll be lonely with my Oscar it's like my friend just won an Oscar yesterday uh, Oscar uh, I say Oscar because I genuinely think he's going to win one but he just won a BAFTA yesterday Amazing. for um, a film called Get Out he stars oh. in Get Out you know Danny Kaluuya so me so I'm from this world of black um, performers where we all started around the same time and so when I started stand up Danny Daniel was was like in Skins do it, writing for Skins doing his thing so yeah we all know each other so like i like and i messaged him literally the other day um day before yesterday so i want to meet up hopefully meet up with him if you've got time because he's nominated for an oscar and everything yeah. but he was like come out here london like you are never as a black it's i hate to keep saying it because i don't want to have to say it but i feel like if i don't say it then it's like i'm over i'm not addressing it i have to you have to realize mm. that as a black woman in this country in the arts or in on television it's not the same and you're not really respected until you leave it's so sad that you have to leave Gina Yashwa said exactly the same thing yeah. on this podcast I believe really because Gina like Gina like when Gina was at her height like I, I I've never even met her I just know so much about her but when she was at doing her thing like she weren't respected like mm, yeah. she was killing it left right and center she didn't get her own show she got everyone in their son had their own show. Jack White's dad's got a show. Well, how was Gina gonna get a show? Like, why did she have to go to America? Like, do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. sad. And I always think about like what my you my LA level could be or my American level. So like my friend, she over here, she was in Hollyoaks. So her UK level was Hollyoaks. In America, she's in Game of Thrones and Fast and Furious. So mm, let's see. Do you know what I mean? She's mixed race. Her name's Ali Emmanuel, beautiful girl. But yes, Hollyoaks is what her biggest show was over here. Idris Elba, he was in a soap called Family Affairs, one of the worst soaps we've ever produced in the UK to the point where it got cancelled. It's on Channel 5. It was terrible. Idris Elba, people forget that before yeah. Idris was in The Wire, he was in that. You put Idris Elba in Family Affairs? Idris Elba? And now he's just and Idris now, Elba. Oh, now you want to say, oh, yeah, he's ours. He, he, you didn't respect him when he was here. So he had to leave. And now he's Luther. Now he's Idris. Now he's a name. But when he was over here, you didn't give a shit. So for me, I'm like, okay, London Hughes. All right. So over here, like, you know, she's done kids TV. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. She's, she's doing her thing. Some reality, bit of reality. She, she popped up in Fleabag for 10 seconds. Yeah, that's fine. But in America, we'll see what happens. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to know what my American level is. And I, I, I don't see any reason why I should not go there and try. Oh, God, no, go there. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it leads me to so two questions I always ask. This is the first one. Um, well, I've started asking this. It's kind of a new question. Um, and I love this question. And uh, I ask you this because I asked this question to Westlife when I was 13. <laughs> oh, my God, stop. And it was my, like, I, I was so proud of this question. 
And Wes, Go on, have, Wes have had a horrible answer, but no pressure. Okay, so, right. The question is, which question would you like for me to ask you? Ooh, is that what you asked Wes like when you mm-hmm. were 13? Mm-hmm. How were you so savvy to think of I, that? I wanted to stand out and be remembered. And did, what did, how did they reply, by the they way? They said, reply? what's your favorite song? And I was like, fuck off. Are you, you being serious? Anything. In my head, I was like, you've been asked so many of the same questions like every single day from journalists and from oh fans oh my god and, like, people want to know the same things and they don't even want to google El Vista yeah <laughs> and I was like you want to know my favorite no. I was like come on you can answer like you can tell me anything yeah you could be asked any of the questions you had never yeah. asked so, so I was quite disappointed with their oh right with their answer that's a terrible answer I know right mine's going to be better than Westlife's I think yes please I want you to ask me I want you to ask me if it's so hard because I need to think of the answer now well it's more like you know it could you know you might be in a place in your life where a certain thing keeps popping up in your mind or maybe you had a thought about what we were going to talk about maybe you had already prepared a thought that you wanted to share or maybe that's the thing you just never get asked because everything's so I want you know I've got it I want you to ask how I say how I stay so positive Oh, that I would actually genuinely <laughs> like to know that. It is a good question. How do you? Basically, I stay so positive because I, I love. It sounds so wanky. I love myself. I love myself more than anyone could ever love me. And I talk to myself like I am my biggest fan. So I, obviously as women, we always feel every day we feel in some kind of depression or feeling low, like our self-worth is so low because as women we're designed to just have the, the, the media campaigns, even from like looking on an advert saying, oh, you've got wrinkles or you're fat, you're fit. We're, we feel shit all the time. And my brain often goes, oh, you haven't got this, they've got this. And then my other brain, because we've got, we got, we got two sides, one brain. So the <laughs> other side of the brain always counteracts that and talks to me like I'm a biggest fan. And I choose to believe that side and I ignore the negative side. Okay, so do you have any... Um, have you ever thought about how that happened? Because if you were being told horrible things about yourself by people you trusted, people who yeah. were your friends, by bullies, by society... How how did that brain thing happen? Like, Comed- where did that advice come from? I think comedy. Because before stand-up, I did not know my worth. Like, obviously, I felt that I was this magical human being that could spread joy and make people happy. But all I seemed to do was get bullied. So I didn't really know what... It, I just didn't... I knew it was there. I just didn't think people knew that it was there. And when I started doing stand-up and going on stage effortlessly like some people have to try and be funny and let you'll meet a lot of comedians or listen to a lot of comedians in these podcasts and they are not funny in real life they are just funny on paper they are funny after an hour they're funny when they sat down and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that you could be funny anyways but with me I never tried like me I was trying to get my friends to like me and that wouldn't work but one thing I never had to try to do was to be funny I would just go on stage I remember writing a set like 10 minutes before I went on stage all brand new material tore down the house like it was like a, a set I'd done loads of times I didn't try with comedy and it kind of was like oh no I'm good at this oh no I've got that thing and it was like forget what they think forget all the people that believe me think forget what anyone who told me I couldn't do it no forget all that like this is your reaction this is your validation so every day whatever shitty feeling I was feeling throughout the day I step on stage get that laugh start and it was like yeah nah I'm the beast bloody niece like this is great and so comedy really helped with my self-esteem and my confidence a thousand percent 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm, would not be the same woman without it. Not at all. So yeah, that, that helps. And just having self-belief and believing in yourself and not listening to the point of utter delusion. You, you come across delusional, but you have to be because society doesn't want you to shine. They actually don't. People will tell you like, we're so conditioned to just be in this box and be the way we're supposed to. Like, for example, if you said to me, oh, you know what, I'm quitting this all and I want to raise horses and I want to be a horse breeder. I'd be like, Sophie, you've got your podcast going on. Things are going really well for you. I just saw you on Comedy Central. Why are you quitting it? To, what, why, do you know any horses? Do you know horses personally? Why are you doing this? That is shit of me. I should be going, yeah, Sophie, go breed them horses, go raise them horses, make your money, do it. That's what I should be saying. But society has conditioned us all. And if Einstein never went to his mate, I've got this theory. I've got this theory, hun. If his mate went, mate, forget that. Like, you, what was he, a janitor or whatever? I don't know what he was before. But like, stick to what you know, babes. Theory, what do you, you talk? E equals what? That's a load of gibberish. Keep it, keep it to yourself. If he'd have done that, we wouldn't be where we are. If the Wright brothers were like, I've got this idea for a plane, right? A plane? Flying through the sky. Through the sky? Nah, nah, nah. Nah, nah. I'm not having it. Stick to what you know. We wouldn't have these things. So for me... Like, if I hadn't decided to, to be a co- comedian, I wouldn't be where I am today. So any time I have those delusional thoughts or those thoughts where I go, I can't do this or I can't do that, I go, well, why not? Man walked on the moon. I must be able to get a Netflix special. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, like, why not? Like, the, uh, the, the, the chances of me getting a Netflix special are higher than man walking on the moon when he decided to. Uh, like, do you know what I mean? And he walked on the moon. So I should be able to get a Netflix special. Like, you have to just be rational and... Um, yeah, so you need. I talk to myself like that a lot. That's amazing. <laughs> which leads me perfectly into the last question, which I always ask. I've always asked it. I've now asked it seventy-nine times. Okay. okay. Wow. So you're in the delivery room when you were born. Yes. Okay. So this teeny, teeny, teeny tiny you. Teeny right? tiny me. Teeny tiny London Hughes, and it's a. You're a baby. You're crying and crying because there's lights and sounds everywhere, and it's very scary. You're not used to this at all from yeah. the womb, so you're crying and you're terrified. And you know what's going to happen for this baby the next. You, you're holding yourself as a baby. I'm holding you're myself. You're holding yourself as a baby. Oh, this is deep, mm-hmm. right? Okay. You know what's going to happen the next about, up until this very point, the next 28 years of this baby's life. You know there's going to be so many moments of lights and sounds that are going to be scary. It won't be lights, it won't be sounds. It'll be something that will be bullying. It'll be all these things you've gone through. Yeah. And the baby's crying and it's scared because it doesn't know what's going to happen. But you know. So you get to say something to yourself as a baby. You can't change the future. You can't change anything. But you can oh, maybe God. say something that would, about the next 28 years, that would make it less scared, maybe, if that's what you want. Okay. What would you say to teeny tiny baby you? I would say, you're going to enjoy the ride. You might crash a few times. But in the end, you're going to love it. And you'll be in a Bentley doing it as well. <laughs> that's what I would say. That's what I was saying. And the thing is, I'm saying that to myself now. Like, I'm that baby now because I know that that five years from now, I'll be like, London, when I'm in my mansion or whatever, and I'm dating, like, some amazing com- Seth Rogen-type comedian. And I'm like, listen, can you imagine how I felt five years ago? I just know this, but life is hard and you forget these things and you, you get caught up in the moment and you forget that, like, when you step out, you're going to be fine. Like, you're going to get through it. And... 
when you focus on the positives, the negatives kind of disappear. And I so spent too much of my career focusing on the negatives. Even though I was a positive person and I carried myself in a positive way, I'd go home and go, well, I'm not on Live at the Apollo and no one cares about my Edinburgh show and why people don't think I'm a real comedian because I'm on kids' TV. I've had every type of negative thought that anyone could ever think, but they all, it's all rubbish. It's all ridiculous. It's absolutely nothing. It doesn't mean anything. And it just kills your creativity and kills your vibe. So I choose not to believe it. And it's, it's shit, so I shouldn't believe it. But... It'll be fine. You're going to be great and I'm going to be great and it's going to be fine. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Where can people find you? Where should they definitely oh, follow you on God. Instagram? Yeah, follow me on Instagram <laughs> at the London Hughes, um, L-O-N-D-O-N-H-U-G-H-E-S and then my Twitter's at the London Hughes and my TV shows are on TV so just click, just put on BBC One or ITV or E4 or Channel 5. I'm on one of them. Yeah, <laughs> and the Oscars in a yeah, few years. Yeah, the Oscars and then like getting a BAFTA as well. Like, who knows? <laughs> Nice. Next to Seth Rogen. Under I love Seth Rogen. Martin oh Freeman God. and Seth Rogen are like, I want to date Martin Freeman so bad. So you definitely have a type. In it? You think? Can you even tell the difference between no, them? No, I can't. I just bloody love Martin. Like, Seth is amazing as well. I've never met him. I've never met Martin. But I feel like I could, I feel like I could really get on well with Martin Freeman. And he's divorced now. So oh like, God. yeah. I love him. I love it when you get that when like a celebrity is like gets married and I'm like, ah. Oh. Yeah, as if, as as if I, I, I do that all the time. So Chris Hemsworth is married. He's married. Oh, well, I can't get with him now. I must like, have been second in line to that. Clearly. <laughs> oh my god, I do it all the time. Literally, anyone that's single, I go, okay, cool. At least I can get, I can yeah. get him then. Like it's mental. He just has to meet me, and then he just got. Listen, he just hasn't met me. Martin Freeman has not met me yet. I'm pretty sure if he met me, we'd get along really well. I've got a feeling he likes black girls. I've got a vibe. I get a vibe from him. And yeah, Seth Rogen as well. Oh, love him. <laughs> oh, oh, and anyone else, if you're listening and you just like... If Seth Rogen is listening. Seth Rogen. Or Seth, Martin Freeman. Or Martin Freeman. Who else do I like? Um, just putting it out there. Yeah, right as well. put it out there. Put it in the universe. It's the check. It's the, it's the Jim Carrey's thing. Yeah, Jim Carrey as well. <laughs> yeah, let's put Jim Carrey Jim, on. you're in there. Jim's, I love Jim Carrey. I've heard rumours that Will Smith allegedly has an open relationship. I've so heard hey. that too. Will, if you're listening, hun, we're both me, here. Me and Sophie, <laughs> me, like, depends what you like, your vibe, but we're, we can cater to all of your needs <laughs> as, together. Me and Sophie can cater to together, every, every single, single one. <laughs> every single one of your fetishes, we've got it down. True or false? We've got Absolutely it. Absolutely true. So, you know, Will, if you're listening, <laughs> we're available. It's easier this way than writing a letter. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, please be happy to listen to this podcast. But yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. I'm so honoured, by the way. I was like, I've, I've, I've known it obviously about you, but this podcast for ages. And I've gone, I'm not going to ask her because one day she's going to ask me. Oh, absolutely. It's fine. You've been on the list forever. Oh, absolutely. that's good. So I was like, oh, when you finally asked, I was like, yay. Thank you. That's so sweet. Yeah, I have these little things like a little... Like, you know those things that you want to achieve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, mine's like, I want free tickets to Coachella. That's a thing. Yeah. I wanted to get, I want to get invited to the the Brits. That's another thing. And then what, like, I have these little things. I go, yeah, I want, to, I want Sophie Dutch to do a podcast. Amazing. That was one of the things. Oh, well, I'm happy so, to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll uh, look into the tickets for Coachella. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> let me know if you know anyone. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Lennon. Sophie. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, do you see what I mean now about London Hughes definitely being like a, a hugely famous person? And uh, oh, she's great. I really like her. I really like her. Remember to go and tweet at her and say, uh, tell her that you loved her and that you loved the episode and thank her for doing it because these guests just give up their time to 
have a weird chat with me for an hour. And it's always one of the things they always get back to me. They always get back to me and say, oh, my God, your listeners were so sweet. They all tweeted me and I keep getting messages from them. And they were so lovely. And that's I am so fucking proud of you. I'm so proud that you do that. I love that. That reflects amazingly <laughs> on me. So thank you so much. Uh, in general, uh, you're amazing listeners. You uh, retweet the episodes. You tweet about the podcast. You recommend me to your friends. You give me five-star reviews. And I love you so much for doing that because this is just my project. This is my, I guess, my hobby. This is, uh, But it's my favorite thing to do because I don't answer to anyone. And I like that. <laughs> I like that there's no one, no one decides the content. No one decides the guests. It's all me. I get to do all of this. And the only way I get to do all of this is because you guys support the podcast. And someone criticized me for asking for money. And it's like, yeah, but it's a product and you don't have to give any money. Like I get being poor. I get having priorities. I get it. I would never ask you to give your very last dollar to support this. Like, that's not what this is. If you support the podcast, which you can do either by one-off donations or you can do it through Patreon, which is like you give a certain amount per episode and it all happens automatically. If you do any of those things, you're part of something. You know, you are a person who decide who decided you were going to be a part of something, that you were going to selflessly support a thing support a silly awkward Danish comedian who just wants to talk about life with interesting people for an hour and put that out there in the world for people to enjoy for free and you you choose to be part of like this is how I feel when I because I'm a I'm a patron of a lot of podcasts and and a lot of people online that I want to support and it, it just feels good I love being the kind of person who's I almost feel like I'm part of the resistance in a way because I support all of these people who just write about social justice or in general just people whose voices aren't being heard that much. So I think it's a great thing to do. Like it's it's like we're leaving out all the corporations. So anyways, that's just my that's my speech, I guess. That's my reason for asking you for the money. I think I think it's genuine genuinely a great thing uh, and patreon if you don't know go to patreon.com for says mopod m-o-h-p-o-d you can become a patron so you just sign up once uh you click on a thing and then it you can decide how much you want to give per episode it's all in dollars so you might want to look that up how much that is and whatever currency in the country you are um and then it just happens automatically once a month it um takes the money from you and it's you will have donated the money and it's great and you can even put like a limit on so that i don't suddenly release like a thousand episodes and run away uh and uh yeah and then you get some special content every once in a while like at the last live mopad episode um we ended up doing a q a and we recorded that and like most of it there's no way we can release that because a lot of stuff was set but at some point i'm going to release that just to patreon uh supporters uh and if you do support via Patreon and you give more than $5 per episode, you become a friend of the podcast, meaning I am now going to butcher your name at the end of this episode. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to give you like a shout out. And uh turns out you're not all called very easy names like Steve Smith. You're all called uh, very different names. So now I'm going to say all of those names without knowing where you're from. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know what... How to do... Anyways, this is going to happen now. Maybe I should have a script for this bit. I know I've been rambling for a while. So I just want to say a huge thank you to these absolute fucking heroes. Thank you so much. I will never forget your names. 
when I meet you and you're like, my name is this, I'll be like, holy shit, I've said that name out loud so many times. How do you pronounce it? Uh, <clears throat> so, and these are the people. Huge thank you to... Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Winkrith, Marnie Biles, Phil Vapolis, Rachel Furley, Zoe Cumberland, George Pearson, Marbles Lost, Nancy Gristel, Ragdoll, Taylor Marshall, Nina Collingwood, Camilla Overaw, Jessica, Sheena Robinson, George Mk, Jane Mahoney, Manso Mir, Hannah, Hannah Keel, Helena Thomas, Ewan Wilkie, Josie, Lily, Robert Crossan, Harry Minnett, Sizzle Fjeldsoon, Rachel Hemsey, Murray Fraser, Lucy, Elin Olofsson, Susie Tyler, Rachel Craftman, Kirsten Davidson, Paddy Patterson, Steve, Steph Ream, Ruth Harvey, Bethany Dahlstrom, Katie Hatfield, Robin Cabot, James Frew, Karen Thrathaway, Robert Hughes, Russell Hughes, sorry, Ida Sergal Larsen, Inger Ellingsen, Caleb Melchior, uh, Dr. Boda Seigel, mm, people can choose their own names, hi Zach, Emma Chan, Kathy Beveridge, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Geraldo Nat. Nascimento, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, uh, Grace Suter, Cat Pillar, Hera Van Dyke, uh, Eleanor, Sarah Ferreira, Eikerseth, and Daniel Rivershead. Wow, that was a more difficult one than uh, than I'm used to. Um, yeah, so those people, uh, you are absolute heroes. Thank you so much for supporting. Uh, at the end, I just want to say, um, yeah, keep supporting. Uh, I'll speak to you next week. Thank you to Sarah Garvey for producing this episode, to Bailey Leonard for writing and recording the jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and to the Phoenix Artist Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. I will speak to you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.